Welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast, episode 44, Sports in Denmark. My name is Bobby. Joining me as always, David. So last time we covered a country in Europe, we looked at Northern Ireland, how to explain that whole United Kingdom and country within a country thing. It's actually a similar situation here. We have the Kingdom of Denmark. That consists of three constituent countries, Greenland, the Faroe Islands, and our focus for today, Metropolitan Denmark or mainland Denmark. You know, the part of Europe that people call Denmark, what people associate with Denmark. That's what we're covering today. Greenland, Faroe Islands, separate episodes. So got it? Yeah, seems simple enough and convoluted. I feel like I'm learning something new every day and nothing is simple. It's all very complex. I guess Europe is like that, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Netherlands might be the only other one that has a similar situation. I mean, France has got places all over the world, too, that are varying degrees of like, oh, no, we're part of France or we're just territories. But Denmark, just what you think of as Denmark is what we're covering today. Nothing else. So field Denmark doesn't need much of an introduction, but we're going to run through some background stuff like we usually do before we get into the sports. So. Denmark is in Northern Europe, only has one land border, that's Germany to the south. But you could describe Denmark as a peninsula, and then it has over 400 islands next to it. Uh, It's separated from Norway and Sweden through uh, various bays and straits, so they're across the water, not too far away. But uh, all those islands just makes the map of Denmark very complicated to look at, but connected through a lot of bridges in the country. Uh, David, I just wanted to point out to you, the capital city, Copenhagen, all the way on the east part of the country uh, on the largest island, it's only like a half hour drive over to Switzerland, or not Switzerland, to Sweden across a bridge. Yeah, I don't know where I would have placed it, but I definitely wouldn't have put it there. I I was thinking somewhere maybe on like the bigger chunk of Denmark. Yeah, like the actual mainland part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like on the, (laughs) I, I don't know, it looks like kind of like a mitten if like the mitten has been destroyed that's a good way i see exactly what you mean (laughs) the dog chewed it up and the the bits are just strewn about yeah exactly but yeah that close to sweden that's kind of crazy yeah yeah so there's a little bit of a rivalry there i mean sweden is the biggest rival in terms of like international sports and there's some club stuff too with copenhagen and uh malmo across the bridge we won't cover that too much here but just throwing it out there now You know, you think Nordic landscapes, glaciers, fjords, just snow-covered, beautiful imagery. Denmark is not that. Denmark is low, it is flat, and is much more temperate in climate. You'll get, it's cold, and you get snow, but uh, it's nothing like Norway or Sweden. However, Denmark is far enough north that you have to think about the hours of daylight. Because uh, in the summer, you're looking at 17 to 18 hours of daylight. And then in the winter, it's only about six or seven. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's something that you kind of have in the back of your mind. Or at least for us, like that's not like nothing we've ever had to deal with. But you, right. know, you hear about like Alaskan winters being really tough because, you know, there's no sunlight. I don't know how I would fare in those places, you know? Yeah, yeah just having to sleep through daylight. Yeah, it's an adjustment. We don't have the curtains for that. Yeah, yeah. I get bummed out whenever it's like we move an hour forward and like it's going to be, you know, nighttime when I leave work or like, you know, call it a day. So I I, I think I wouldn't do well. Seasonal depression. Like it's a real thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's real. It's real. 
But just keep in mind the description of Denmark's landscape and all that. I think the highest point is only 500 feet, so very flat. Uh, but David, you know what's coming. Population. <laughs> uh, but I'll help you out, though. So Denmark, not very big. 42,000 square kilometers. If it were a U.S. state, it would be comparable to Maryland. But uh, the population is under 10 million people. But how low do you want to go? I feel like it would be very beneficial for me to know, like, generally how big Maryland is. But I mean, I don't know. I I don't think it's like eight or nine. I'm thinking, I don't know. I'll, I'll split it. We'll, we'll say five. five. I mean, 5.9 to 6 million is what people say. So, yeah. I mean, Count it. Close Count it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite six. It's Everyone's like, no, no, 5.9, just under six. But a lot of that, probably a third, is all concentrated around Copenhagen. And uh, just in terms of ethnicity, a vast majority are ethnically Danish, maybe 85 to 90%. And then you have a variety of minority populations in there, you know, German, Polish, Turkish. Danish is the main language. But number of German speakers, then you get closer to the border. And majority of the population speaks English proficiently. So for us, easy to travel. But David, you ready for this quick history? Yeah, I'm actually, I, I get kind of excited for these segments now. I learned so much and I don't have to talk that much. So it's great. It's like the perfect, <laughs> it's like the perfect uh, segment for me. Hey, I learned so much too. And then I have to try to break it down into like a minute or two. <laughs> just sitting on all the major points here. But this one's relatively simple. Really, it's just a case of how did modern Denmark come to be? You know, how did we get here? And we'll start with the Vikings. You know, the seafarers, the navigators of the world. Uh, that was around the 800s, and that lasted for you know, 200 plus years. But around that time, kingdoms form in Scandinavia. We get the union of Denmark, Norway, and Sweden in the 1300s. So basically all of Scandinavia was one kingdom at one point, or like a union of kingdoms. They were separate, but they were all unified in this. It's a little complicated, but keep in mind, Sweden controlled Finland. And then like Iceland, Greenland, Faroe Islands, that was also part of this. Now, Sweden, they leave that union in the 1500s. They thought Denmark was too powerful in their arrangement. And this leads to beef between Sweden and Denmark for over 100 years. I think they've had the most wars between two countries ever, or just in terms of fighting. Like, I think England and France is comparable, but Sweden, Denmark is a lot. But, uh, you know, for that point on, Denmark and Norway, they're still unified, and they have those islands uh, under their control still. We get to the 1800s. Napoleon is messing stuff up in Europe. Long story short, Norway leaves the Union. They're now with Sweden, but Denmark still has control of Iceland, Greenland, and the Faroe Islands. So that's the Kingdom of Denmark. 1849, Denmark is now a constitutional monarchy, so not a full-on monarchy anymore. Skip ahead, World War I. Denmark is neutral. Iceland leaves the kingdom. They're an independent country, though there's a lot more to that story. But this isn't Iceland's episode. It's Denmark's. World War II, German occupation. Obviously, that didn't last. And then afterwards, you get to the modern day of Denmark. You know, the social democratic policies that I feel a lot of people associate them with. I think they're the highest taxed country in the world, but they're also seen as the happiest country in the world. And they gave us Legos. So yeah, they should be happy. <laughs> yeah, I think um, a lot of Americans can identify with more taxes equals more happiness, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it seems like it's been uh, it's been busy. I feel like all of Europe has been busy. Yeah, this is less about the colonization stuff that we have to mention with a lot of countries outside of Europe, but more like, oh, all these unions and just going to war with each other. <laughs> you know, who's conquering who? That's right. Pure pure chaos. Yeah. Honest, I didn't know that all of Scandinavia was like one union at one point. I thought that was cool. Yeah, I, I bet that was like super complicated. Yeah, because they were all still separate, but they were under like one unification banner. They had, yeah, I, I didn't fully understand it, but hey, we don't need to know the 1300s history of Europe for sports. Just filling you guys in. But you're here for the sports. Let's move on to that. I mentioned Lego. Denmark, they invented it. Maybe their second most notable invention, handball. They claim to have invented it. I'm sure that's disputed. I think the rules of handball were formalized in Germany, but a sport that is modern handball was played in like the early 1900s by, I believe, Danish schools. Usually that's how those sports start. Now, as you can expect from a country that more or less invented the sport, Denmark is pretty good at handball. Uh, David, we covered handball earlier this year. Do you remember just how good they were? Yeah, they were like reigning champs, right? Like they, they're pretty good. Yeah, they were, when we covered them, they were back-to-back world champs. And then they won again in 2023. Easy little three-peat. Yeah, that's dynasty level. <laughs> but what surprised me is that those three world championships were their first ever. Like before that, they'd won two European championships and won Olympic gold. But all of those titles last 15 years. So yeah, I just found that surprising. And then funny enough, the women's national team for handball, also a lot of success. Three Olympic golds, three European championships, one world championship. But all of that was in the 90s and early 2000s. So women's team was dominant. Then they pass it off to the men's team, but they weren't winning at the same time. Yeah, I guess um, two schools of thought here. You can either be, you know, in the minds of the handball world constantly, kind of like you've been for the past 20 years, <laughs> or I guess you can be just super ultra dominant and win everything. You know, I, I, I don't know which one I'd prefer. I think I'd do it like pure dominance, you know, just like mm-hmm. there's no hope for anyone else, but it's still nice to be like on top for that long. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. I think the only comparison was like Americans with basketball just had like the the iron fist for a long time, but it's shifted a bit. Yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, like with basketball, it's kind of slowly making its way and bigger players are coming from around the world. We'll see what handball does. I don't know if it's had as big of a, I, actually I can guarantee it hasn't had as big of a splash as basketball, but you, you never know what could happen. Yeah, it's mainly just Europe and I mean, Denmark was not the dominant team on the men's side for a while. I think like France, Spain, but hey, Denmark, very good. And obviously they've had a lot of great players along the way too. And one of the greatest ever to play handball, Mikkel Hansen. We mentioned him on our handball episode, but he's a three-time world player of the year and was part of those world championship teams. And he's still active at 35 years old. And we should also mention two-time world player of the year, Nicholas Landin. He's their star goalie for the past decade. You know, Hansen kind of has that mountain man look to him, and he's six foot four. Landin is six foot seven. So these are these are just basketball players. Yeah, yeah. I six seven. I guess it makes sense for a goalie, but geez. Yeah, that's insane. Like I that's so tall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
handball goals, they're not too big, but he just covers the whole frame. Like I saw him saving some penalty shots. I was like, oh gosh, <laughs> just <laughs> he's a freak. <laughs> yeah. If you've ever watched handball, like you wouldn't think, oh, they don't need to be that big. No, no. If you want to play at the, the top level, you got to be pretty big. Yeah. I imagine the length helps with like taking up as much room as you can, you know, when you go to defend those shots and then just having longer arms is so nice in sports. Yeah. Long arms, long legs, just you basically you make yourself like this big x shape to cover up as much of the goal and it's like all right good handball goalies it's like a 30 percent save percentage just for context yeah that seems kind of gross you know in soccer you, you ever get like a a one-on-one you know situation or like a direct shot at the goal you know i i just feel like it's more likely to go in you know and i feel like you get more of those opportunities with handball you know there's always those like little like stutter steps and like you know the like I guess plant before the line and then they shoot and it's yeah. it's never really like going through people. It's always like, oh, he made you know, he penetrated and now he's, you know, got a shot on goal. So thirty percent seems insane. Yeah. And hey, keeping that kind of stats, that's why he's a two time world player of the year. But moving on though, women's side, of course they've had some notable players. Anya Anderson, one of the greatest to play the game. Uh, she was part of Denmark's nineties successes. But her career was cut short at age 30 due to a heart condition. But she immediately went into coaching after that. Because, I mean, what else would you do? Uh, She went coaching at the club level. And Denmark's Women's Handball League is one of the best in Europe. And Anderson was the coach of a club called Sleilsa. I hope I pronounced that right. There's a G in there, but it doesn't make a G sound. But Sleilsa, F-H. Three European Champions League titles at the club level in a four-year span when she was coach. Yeah, that's just gross. That shouldn't be allowed. Yeah, I mean, another dynasty. True, true. Yeah, it seems like, I guess, athletes, I mean, maybe it's just, you know, the, the amount of stress they put their bodies in, but, you know, you find these, like, little heart conditions every now and then in sports. Uh, like a bummer that it cut her career short, but I'm glad that she kind of translated it into something big and in the area she was pretty comfortable with. You know, I, I imagine that has to be terrifying. You know, being yeah. so good at something and then like, oh, you can't do it anymore. Right, right. Because the two guys that we had mentioned before this, they're still active and they're in their mid 30s. I mean, handball, they got a longer shelf life, it seems. Uh, but funny thing, I mentioned that Slayilsa, three championships in four years. Well, who broke up that uh, the three peat was another Danish club, Vibor, who also won three championships. They did it in five seasons around the same time. So it's Denmark domination. Yeah, I guess. that's insane, too. Like, I feel like, could you imagine just like how hype those games between those two, I guess, clubs were? Like, can you imagine yeah. just like how amped up people were for that? Right, right. Especially when, from what it looked like, that was just Denmark's dominating period at the club level. And then outside of that, hasn't been as much at the, like, the champ of Europe level, like the cream of the crop. So, I mean... What a time to be a Danish handball fan. Yeah, a truly, a truly special time. <laughs> yeah. And just to mention the men's handball league, also good, but it seems like the best Danish players move abroad to foreign leagues like Germany and Spain, France, you know. But David, handball may be what we associate Denmark with, but you want to take a wild guess as to what the most popular sport in Denmark is. Um. Well, I don't think they play cricket, and if they do, it's at a very... Well, not as intense level as some of the other European countries. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to take a wild one here. You know, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to guess. Uh, I'm going to guess soccer or association football. <laughs> Badminton. Got him. 
No, I'm kidding. But I mean, badminton is coming up. <laughs> it's a little sneak peek for later. <laughs> yeah, but association football, soccer, it's like the most popular everywhere, except for maybe 15 to 20 places. But to start with in Denmark, the domestic leagues, because they have some fun names. Uh, the women's league is the Kvinna Liga. Hope I pronounced that right. Again, there's a D in there, but they don't pronounce the D. And I'd say it's maybe a top 10 league in Europe on the women's side. Men's league is the Superliga, and it's probably 15th best in Europe, which is still very good. I mean, some of these teams play in the Champions League in like the actual group stage. David, what if I told you the two most successful men's teams in Denmark are both based in the capital city of Copenhagen and are arch rivals? That seems pretty on brand for soccer and other countries. That seems like that seems like the blueprint. Oh, well, yeah, it's true for Denmark as well. Uh, the Superliga, it's only been around in its current state since 1991. Obviously, there was a league beforehand. But in the modern Superliga era, we have FC Copenhagen, 15 league titles. They are by far the dominant team in the country. But then we have Bronby. They are the arch rivals, seven league titles, and their rivalry match is just the Copenhagen Derby. I've also saw it referred to as the new firm Derby as well. But they're the two biggest teams. A third team has emerged in recent years, FC Mitoland. The owners of that club also own Brentford, who play in the Premier League. So if you've watched English soccer and be like, oh, why does Brentford have so many Danish players? That's why. But I've got their club badges pulled up if you want to comment on them. Yeah, I I, I really dig the, uh, I, I don't know, the, the one that looks like a well. I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah, that's Bronby's. Yeah, because Copenhagen is a it's a lion on their badge, and Mitaland is like a wolf face, and then and then Bronby's just a well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's it, it. I just have never seen anything like that for a sport, and uh, I don't know. And then like you know, blue gold, very cool, or I guess you know maybe yellow, very cool. You know, combination. I, I feel like. It's kind of a standard one that you don't see often. You know, you like get a lot of reds and blacks and blues and reds, uh, which are the other two teams. But I like the the yellow, the yellow and blue. Yeah, yeah, I, I dig the combo too. I think the Danish league they have a lot of cool logos. But let's move on to the international level. Denmark's men's national team. You know, they're kind of regulars at the World Cup in recent years. They actually didn't qualify for the first time until 1986, but they've been to five more since then made it as far as the quarterfinals, which is about, you know, you expect them probably as a knockout stage team. But David, I want to bring up the European Championships instead. I've got a little story to tell you. You ready for story time? I'm, I'm always ready for story time. Well, our story today is about Euro 1992. So there were only eight teams who qualified for Euro 92. We have Sweden, who were the hosts, and then seven group winners from the qualifying rounds. And those seven winners were France, England, Scotland, Netherlands, Germany, the Soviet Union, and Yugoslavia. Now, keep in mind, this is Euro 92. Qualifying happened starting in 1990, went till 1991, and a lot was going on in Europe at that time. So first off, when they drew the qualifying groups, West Germany and East Germany were drawn into the same group, but then German reunification happened. So now Germany is one team. And there's just one fewer teams in that group. Just a funny coincidence. Soviet Union. They started off qualification as the Soviet Union. 
Soviet Union doesn't exist anymore like a month after qualifying ends. So they competed at the tournament as the Confederation of Independent States. So it was like a transitional team. But then Yugoslavia, the Yugoslav Wars broke out. Long story short there, they got banned from playing at the tournament. So who takes their spot? The runners up from their qualifying group, which is Denmark. So Denmark, they are the underdogs here. They are the lowest ranked of the teams. They shouldn't be here. So group stage, 0-0 draw to England, 1-0 loss to Sweden, backs against the wall. In their final match, they need to beat France and they need Sweden to beat England. So of course that happens. Sweden beat England, Denmark beat France 2-1, on to the semifinals. They play the Netherlands, who are filthy. They are stacked. 2-2, two two. and then it goes into penalties, and Denmark wins 5-4. You can't make this stuff up. They go to the finals. They play Germany, the unified German team. Denmark wins 2-0. European champs for the first, and to date, only time. Ultimate underdogs. And we, we don't have a movie about this? Like, I feel like someone needs, or like a TV show or something. I mean, like, if you were to, like, give me that story and be like, did someone make this up? You would have to assume, like, it was, it was fake, right? You would, you, that's crazy. Someone get on that. Someone get on the movie. <laughs> it looks like there's a movie called Summer in 92, which in English is Summer of 92, a Danish sports comedy that came out in 2015. But a sports comedy, we don't have a, a super emotional type deal. Yeah, someone needs to get on that. Yeah, or like, give me like a 30 for 30. I don't know if we do them for like other countries outside the US, but it should be one. Yes, I totally agree. Like it is, yeah, they weren't supposed to be there and then they end up winning. It's crazy though. We'll get to Greece one day. Greece won Euro 2004 and people say like, oh, they were bigger underdogs. Probably, but they were supposed to be there. They actually qualified. Denmark did not qualify. It's crazy to just like, you know, they, they probably got a call. They probably were like not even training anymore with the team for a while. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, hey, <laughs> Yugoslavia's out, you're in. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yep. So the, the funny thing is their best player, Michael Laudrup, he was not in the squad. I, he had a falling out with the manager during qualifying. And I think when they ended up qualifying, he was basically like, uh, we're not going to do good. I'm, I already had plans, man. I'm out. You know, he was a really good attacking midfielder. Again, he just wasn't at this tournament and they still ended up winning. But David Laudrup, part of Barcelona's dream team of the early 90s, but he also played for Real Madrid after. So rare. <laughs> yeah, I, and I feel like you had to have had some booze <laughs> in, those, in, in, <laughs> in those matches, you know, when uh, you're with the other kid on. That, that's, that's crazy. So it's like, you know, not only did this crazy thing happen, but you didn't even have your best player on the squad yeah like he was an, an attacking midfielder and i saw a quote i think it was from uh franz breckenbauer who's a really good german player but he said something like how maradona was the star of the 80s laudrup was the star of the 90s like that's the kind of praise that he got oh geez so huge huge yeah praise. i th feel like he's underrated in a lot of circles but yeah it's fine he wasn't there, but his brother Brian was at the Euros and he made the team of the tournament. Uh, I know he played for Bayern Munich and I think he played for Rangers as well. And he was a really good player in his own right. And uh, in goal, you had Peter Schmeichel, one of the biggest stars of the 90s. He was the goalkeeper for Manchester United, 
uh, you know, when they were like the star team of the Premier League in the 90s. Yeah, I feel like you've heard of Schmeichel, right? I mean, it's such a unique name that like, I feel like once you hear it, well, first you're like, that's a fake name. But <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I definitely have heard that name in passing. I, I just also want to go back. Yeah. I, you better believe Brian constantly is like, you're pretty good, but you know, were you a a Euro a Euro winner? I, I, you weren't, you know. Yeah, he's trash. He's the younger brother too. He's always going to have that to hold over Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just uh, I can imagine the dinner table being very you know funny from time to time. And speaking of the dinner table, Peter Schmeichel, you might have heard Schmeichel's name because his son Casper is the current goalkeeper for the Danish national team and he was the goalie for Leicester City when they won the Premier League also a huge underdog story so uh family connections everywhere yeah and apparently that's the family you like need to get involved if you're going to be doing crazy things yeah um one other player though Christian Eriksen the current star of uh Denmark or at least he has been for the past decade and he's 31 years old now but he super good attacking midfielder and then he came into international attention after uh, Euro 2020, you know, the first match of that tournament for Denmark and goes in for the throw in, collapses on the field, had suffered from cardiac arrest. And honestly, like just thinking right now, I'm honestly like shaking a little bit goosebumps because it was like one of the most harrowing scenes that you'll ever see on a sports field. But then year later or not even a year later like six months later he was back playing professional football and he's still going strong now yeah that i remember that and i i'm actually it's like impressed but also still like concerned you know about i i feel like rarely those things like go away you know did, did was it just cardiac arrest is that what you said yeah i think there was some sort of heart condition he has something implanted in him now i forget the name for it oh the like a uh, defibrillator yeah 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 yeah, okay, that makes sense. That'll just like give him like a jolt whenever something's not normal happening. Okay, that makes sense. Because I, I mean, I would just be like, I, you know, you love the sport, but like, right? Is it worth? Is it worth dying for? You know, he was contracted to uh, Inter Milan in Italy at the time. I think Italy had some sort of rule where he wasn't allowed to play in that league due to the implant in his heart. So now uh, he ended up signing with Brentford, you know, the English team with all the Danish players. And now he's with Manchester United. So like a top level team and plays regularly for them too, which oh, I just never expected it after he collapsed. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, kudos to him. He was one of my favorite players uh, for a while. But uh also wanted to mention the women's national team. They finished second at the 2017 Euro. So they're also pretty good. But they'll be in action at next month's World Cup for the fifth time in their history. And I just want to share with you, David, the qualifiers for the World Cup. Denmark played eight games. They won all eight, only allowed two goals, and they scored 40 in eight games. 40? Yeah, averaging five goals a match. So Denmark's correct? Uh, should we be expecting something crazy? To <laughs> I mean, they're not a top favorite. I mean, that was a really good qualifying run. Russia was supposed to be in their group. I'm assuming they would have been the second best team, but then, you know, they got banned for the whole war. So I'm guessing the rest of the group just was not up to snuff. Wow. I guess good. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. I, you know, you, 
cupcake you know you know like in like sometimes football have like cupcake games for um like college teams where it's like you just go slaughter them and then you feel really good about yourself you know (laughs) um like great energy going into it you know you probably feel a little unstoppable funny thing i said this was their fifth world cup they actually hadn't qualified since 2007 so they missed out on the previous three yeah they missed out on the previous three so marking your return in a big way yeah that i mean just 40 goals to two is insane. You know, I, I guess I'm, I'm excited to see him play. I, I, hopefully they can keep it going because that would be an insane comeback story. Right. Hey, we'll talk about them next month. We're, we're covering the Women's World Cup in an episode. But I'll just mention one player because Casey don't listen to it, but you should listen to that episode. Pernilla Harder, she's Denmark's star player. Already their all-time top goal scorer. I believe she's only 30 years old at the moment but played for Chelsea and uh, Wolfsburg, among other teams. She's really good. But, David, those were the two big team sports in Denmark. But I mentioned it before, badminton. Denmark, they're the best team in Europe when it comes to badminton. I never would have expected it. This applies for both men's and women's badminton. But uh, I'll just tell you another story here. Badminton at the international level, like the entire world. So on the men's side, there's a thing called the Thomas Cup. It's basically the World Cup for men's badminton, and it's a team event. So say Denmark were to play the United States, a matchup would work like this. They'll play a match of singles, then they'll do a match of doubles, and then another match of singles, a match of doubles, and then a match of singles. So that's five total matchups, all with different players involved, and whoever wins three out of those five matchups wins overall. So that's the format. Here's every country to win the Thomas Cup. China, Indonesia, Malaysia, Japan, India, and Denmark. Yeah, it seems like you're... uh, (laughs) I was kind of expecting, you know, the Asian countries to be doing quite well. It's crazy that... And I guess I say that, but like, I don't know who I'd pick to like join them on that, you know, list. But um, it's crazy to think that like, they're the only ones who have done it on the on the European side. Right. And also think the population size here, because those are big Asian nations. And then Denmark has like six million people. Yeah, like pound for pound, the best badminton <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> country in the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, another fact, Denmark and Spain, only European countries to have an Olympic medalist in badminton. And like, I never really looked at badminton before, but they had this guy, Victor Axelsson, who's apparently one of the best badminton players in the world. But cool name, though, Victor Axelsson. Yeah, I feel like, too, um, badminton is, like, a lot more intense than you think. You know, you, you if you're especially if you're used to, like, the lawn version of the game, you know, mm. it, it gets it's crazy, real crazy, real fast. Yeah, I mean, if you've watched, you think regular tennis, you think table tennis, but then, ooh, badminton? You play with a, a shuttlecock, just a completely different ball. It moves in a different trajectory. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, uh, I guess because of like the feathers or whatever, it's fast initially and then slows down. You know, mm. it's 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 crazy. And then you know when it goes like back and forth, and you know they're kind of rallying, hard, hitting hard shots back and forth. I mean, it's it's intense. And I feel like 
it's one of those sports that you think you'd be good at until you like play with someone really good. And then it's like, no, 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 I'm not, no. not going to be good at this. <laughs> know your place, peasant. <laughs> That's right. Get out of here, trash. <laughs> <laughs> That's like another one of those is like pickleball. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, you, know, you, you play someone really good. And it's like, oh, there's a lot about that about this game. And it's right. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pickleball's really taken over here in the U.S. But yeah, that, that's we might cover pickleball at some point. It's the newest sensation. Yeah, it's got to be one of the fastest growing sports. So we'll, we'll probably hit it up. Yeah, yeah. But uh, another team sport of note, ice hockey. You know, the Vegas Golden Knights, they just won the Stanley Cup here in North America. So hockey has been on the mind lately. You know, Denmark as a national team, probably 10th best in the world, which is good. But David, you know, ice hockey is really top heavy. And it really sucks to say this, but Denmark are just kind of filling out the numbers, if you know what I mean. Like, they're never in a position to push for medals, and I don't think they've ever have. Yeah, I feel like it's almost impossible if you're not, you know, Canada or, you know. <laughs> Canada, uh, U.S., Russia. Russia. Yeah, like, th- that's probably the podium almost always. And then, yeah, like, Sweden, Finland, and the rest. Well, Czech Republic, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's real tough, so it's... It's a bummer, I guess, to be in the situation that Denmark's in, but it's understandable. Yeah. And it just feels like unless some amazing golden generation comes, like that's just where they'll be like 10th, maybe ninth or eighth at best. But just to go along with that, Denmark have had quite a few good players in the NHL. I emphasize good, just not quite great or elite like Lars Eller, Franz Nielsen, just middle line guys. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers, probably their best player right now, but even he's not quite elite level. He is a good goal scorer. But one that you're familiar with, David, is Frederick Anderson, goalie for the Hurricanes the past two seasons. Yeah, kind of like a, a well-respected goaltender just had, having some injury issues. We'll see what happens with Freddie because I think his contract is done. I don't know if Carolina's going to go after him again. He's very expensive, so I, I don't think so, just considering the quality of play that they've gotten from him and then, you know, the injury issues. So, but you, you never know, you never know what, what, what can happen. Maybe he takes a pay cut and stays. Yeah. He's also mid thirties, right? He's been around a while. Yeah. He's been in the game for a bit. Hey, yeah. Denmark's had quite a few, but I think again, it's just the, the good, but not, I don't think they've had an elite player yet. Look, there's a ton of team sports in Denmark. Just quick mentions, basketball, rugby, even American football. You know, maybe they'll get a team in the European League of Football one day. But I want to move on to some sports more unique to Denmark. So Danish long ball. I had never heard of this one. It's a bat and ball game. Apparently, it's similar to a thing called brand ball, which is popular in Scandinavia and Germany. But I would say Danish long ball, like a mix between baseball and cricket, honestly, more like cricket. But you play on this rectangular field. There are two teams. Pitcher throws the ball, batter hits it with a bat. Uh, Then they try to run to the opposite side of the field, which is called a safe zone. And then to score a run, you have to make it back to the original side. So kind of like cricket in that sense, running back and forth. I mean, you try to avoid getting out, which, you know, catching it. You also, the, uh, the fielding team can peg you with the ball to get you out, which was a rule in baseball back in the day, if you didn't know. Yeah, I feel like it's a rule that is very fun. Like, I feel like most uh, wiffle ball games are like that, you know, where it's just like, all right, if I, if I hit you before you get to the bag, you're out. Definitely a more <laughs> a more uh, 
exciting way to play the game. Could you imagine if you could just beam people, you know, in baseball now and just like Oof. people just, oh my gosh. I feel like you'd every now and then have someone catch out to the face and just the game would have to stop, you know, because of blood or something. But um, it definitely makes Long Wall more appealing. I kind of want to watch it now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how hard the ball is. Like, I didn't look. I found this one literally today as we we're recording. Like, this was this morning. Uh, yeah, apparently there's a lot of bat and ball games out there I wasn't familiar with. But cool. As a baseball fan, I'm down for it. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we, we think of baseball as this really unique sport. But uh, it seems like, you know, throwing a ball and hitting it with a stick. Uh, pretty, pretty common idea. Yeah, we're not that special. Yeah, it's a bummer, actually. But another unique sport from Denmark. Krolf. So that's K-R-O-L-F, Krolf. It's a combination of croquet and golf. It is essentially just that. Like gameplay, it is mini golf, but you use a croquet mallet and the croquet ball. And it seemed like a lot of old people play this as just a fun recreational activity. I've got the picture for you, David. It Krolf. <laughs> yeah, I love croquet, so I would be down to play this and Essentially, just doing golf croquet sounds sweet. Am I am I getting old? Is, that, is this what happening? Based off the pictures, yeah. Like when That's I say true. old, it, <laughs> like the guy in the, our picture I pulled up here, he's just like hunched over there with the gray hair. I was like every picture. I didn't see children. Pl- I guess I did see children playing it too. I didn't see like just in your prime people playing this sport. <laughs> Yeah, I would just, uh, it does seem like it, it's definitely like a, a very leisurely sport and one that, you know, you, you don't have to be, you know, a physical specimen to be good at. I'm interested, though. Like, I I will play croquet anytime. It's such a mean <laughs> sport, you know? It looks very civilized, and then you can just do mean things in it. Hey, we'll bring uh, Krolf to the United States. Make it popular right. for our age demographic. That's right. The National Krolf League. The NKL's coming soon. And probably they're already... It probably already exists, or maybe not like a national body, but people probably do play it in the U.S., and we're just not aware. That's right. We play everything. Yeah. I didn't know there was a, a cricket ground in my county. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah 20 minutes from a- me. Apparently, it's like huge in Raleigh, which is crazy. Yeah, I had no clue. Let's move on, though. Individual sports. And we'll, we'll start with maybe the biggest individual sport in Denmark, and that's cycling cycling it's more than a sport it's a way of life in denmark i associate copenhagen and probably all the big cities in denmark they're just covered in bike lanes for commuters so naturally people take it a step further they go road racing you know the biggest race in cycling is coming up very soon uh the tour de france denmark had two winners before actually bjarna reese 1996 champ he he admitted to doping, but I think he still has his title, which kind of confused me. I don't know the story there, but last year's winner, 2022, Jonas Vingegaar. Maybe he'll go back to back. Yeah, I feel like the doping situation in cycling is very weird. We'll talk about it eventually, but um, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, a little yeah. tidbit, you know, um, but it's, it's so weird because I think everyone was doing it. And so it's like, where do yes. we draw the line of like, when is it like, okay, we're not going to just, you know, hunt after everyone who did it because everyone was doing it. I don't know. We'll definitely um a little little hit into the future. We'll definitely cover it soon. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see if uh what will come from the Denmark cyclists in the future. I feel I feel like when you hear that like cycling is big, it's always it. I assume it's such a, a you know a niche sport. And it's just like a community, but apparently it's it's huge in Denmark, huh? Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, Europe in general really big into cycling, and I guess 
there's a community for every here, everything here in the United States, but I don't know. Denmark seemed like cycling just everywhere. Top five sports cycling was up there, you know, with handball and, and soccer slash football. Yeah. I feel like cycling is never going to be huge in here just because there's like a weird stigma to like bicyclists. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah it, they got a different way of building their cities in Europe, especially Copenhagen. Yeah. The, the advantage of starting, you know, a thousand years ago. <laughs> true. True. We, we got these ugly strodes. I, I watched the, uh, city planning videos on youtube i find that very soothing to me <laughs> yeah we were we were we were a bit handicapped with just the amount of space and then like getting cars pretty quickly <laughs> yeah and it's ugly but with cycling of course there's road races but gotta highlight track cycling too so lassa norman leth formerly uh last name was hansen but he's a track cyclist multiple olympic golds and world titles I've seen track cycling on TV before. It's still such an odd sight. Like you got these banked curves and the bikes, they got these super inflated tires and they have no brakes. It's an odd sight. Yeah, I feel like it is weird. And, you know, they have like the weird, weird uh, helmets and um, the like, uh, what's that like one event in the Olympics where it's like, you know, the two teams, they go like, I guess against each other, right? They go like different, is it different ways or they're going, I don't know. One of the team events where it's like this kind of cycling and I don't know why, but I always tune in. It is a cool site. Like, I mean, it seems like it's a born niche thing, but it's the banked curves for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It definitely feels like we're playing a much more intense sport, you know, kind of like the, the NASCAR racing where it's like, Oh, it makes sense. You know, they're going so fast and exerting. So, you know, it's just better for, you know, them making the turns and everything. And, it seems kind of ridiculous in this sense, but I'll be honest with you. It, I kind of want to try it. I feel like I wouldn't be good, but you know, it does seem like it'd be very fun to kind of go up there, push it, and you know, feel the feel the bank curves, and then I guess feel the like drafting because apparently that makes a really big difference. You know, it's like you expend so much less energy. You know, when you're drafting, I I feel like I wouldn't be able to tell. You know, I feel like I'd still be <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> pushing along, but I don't know. It it is weird looking though. It looks almost like. A weird futuristic sport you know where it's like <laughs> this, no, the, this is all the, we can do now yeah the bikes do look futuristic i'm sure this is the future of biking and they've been saying that for i don't know <laughs> however long track cycling's been around but moving on though tennis it's a sport that's enjoyed everywhere in the world but the main reason i bring it up for denmark is because of caroline wozniacki yeah i actually knew who she was beforehand she's a pretty big name in women's tennis only person from Denmark to win a Grand Slam singles event. And that was in 2018, the Aussie Open. She went far in a lot of tournaments and spent 72 total weeks as the number one ranked player in the world. I mean, that's non-consecutive, but still 10th longest all time in terms of being uh, number one. Yeah, that's insane. And I feel like if you're anywhere near the um, Serena era, you know, that's (laughs) just spending any time there is, is impressive. Yeah, I mean, she's retired now, but yeah, Wozniacki would. I feel like she played Serena a lot, and that's probably what prevented her from uh, taking home some more titles. Yeah, I have to imagine that was probably a, a decent part of it. It's hard to be, you know, playing against the GOAT. Yeah. <laughs> but f- fun fact here, she was apparently engaged to Rory McIlroy. Mentioned him in the Northern Ireland episode, but yeah. The more you know. Was? Yeah, was. They... Like- they I think McElroy broke it off. 
Ooh, yeah. I don't yeah, know the story. I'm not. I didn't read into the drama. Oh, come on. We all right. We should start a new podcast next week called Sports Gossip, where we just <laughs> we, <laughs> we cover all the juicy, juicy, juicy stories about sports athletes. You know, juicing. They got this doping. Yeah, a, a little bit of both. All, okay. all, all, all the drama. Like, and as far as other individual sports go, could mention stuff like golf, boxing. But before we wrap up with the Olympics, I want to mention one person from auto racing because we mentioned endurance racing in the Oman episode and then the 24 hours of Le Mans most famous endurance race in the world that was I think last week well Tom Christensen of Denmark he's known as Mr. Le Mans he's won that event nine times he's retired now but nine time champ of that yeah I can't imagine your auto racing career is very long so to let's say 20 years, maybe 25 max, you know, winning that often is insane. Yeah, six straight at one point in the early 2000s. Yeah, that's gross. How do you even like show up to the track? <laughs> you know, just like, oh, geez, here we, <laughs> here we go again. Right. So context, though, in the Le Mans, uh, 24 hours of Le Mans, it's not one person driving the whole time. I think they are required to have a team of three They've had increasing uh, stipulations on how long a person can drive. Uh, usually it's like two hours at a time, maybe more. It's just depending on the pit stops. Because, you know, it's not just about the drivers and going fast. The car has to hold up, too. Yes, racing is definitely, or I guess auto racing is definitely a team endeavor. But, yeah, crazy just to to be in the car, you know, that many times and, and still come on top. You know, I feel like there's so many things that can go wrong. You know, if, if something goes wrong, I imagine you can get DQ'd very easily in that race just because it's, you know, a war of attrition, you know? <laughs> so um, I guess it speaks to the crews, but as well as, you know, the, the drivers. And yeah, nine times is like even more insane when you really think about it. Yeah. And obviously he had similar teammates for a handful of those, but he's the only one with nine. So I guess that it elevates him to another level. But We'll move on, end with the Olympics as usual. As you can expect, Denmark have been very successful at the Olympics. Over 200 medals. Uh, they've won at least one at every Olympics that they've, every uh, summer games they've participated at. Because there's been a lot of surprising stuff in this episode, David. But uh, maybe the most surprising. Denmark have only won one single silver medal in the Winter Games, and that's it. So is that because they're like crushing the events that they're really good at and getting golds, or is it, <laughs> no, or is it no. just? I mean that 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 does seem kind of crazy. Just one medal in the Winter Games. It was a silver in curling, and that's it. Oh, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. That well, that is crazy. Yeah. After learning, you know, low elevation, they don't have mountains there. I guess that makes sense, but still, there's other winter sports that don't require that. Yeah, I mean, and you're you're up north, you know, like we can ice skate, right? Like, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> yeah, it was just really surprising to me. And then, like, Norway is just across the water there, and they obviously they do have mountains, and they're really good at skiing. But I don't know, biathlon, you could do that, right? That's like half of that is shooting. <laughs> I feel like you could have told me that and I wouldn't have believed you. You know, if you were like, I lied one time this episode, that might be where I picked it. Actually, it'd probably be the like soccer story, but oh, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> or the badminton. Uh, yeah, true. I wouldn't have guessed that either. Yeah. But yeah, this was the most surprising for me because like I, I associate Scandinavia the, and the, the Nordic countries, but no, Denmark, just one, one medal. 
But uh, as for the summer games, Denmark have been great in handball and cycling, as you can expect. But it's on the water that they've actually done their best. Sailing and rowing. So two people to shout out. Paul Elfstrom, four golds in sailing. And then Eskild Ebison, three golds, two bronzes in rowing. Now, I don't know much of anything about those two sports, but they're the two most successful Olympians from Denmark. Hats off to them. Sailing, rowing, there is a lot more beyond them too. Like they've won a lot in those two uh, sports. Yeah, I don't know a lot about sailing, but I do know a decent bit about rowing. And I think a quick little check. It looks like Elskid has all of his stuff in the Coxless Four, which the Cox is just like the person who steers and I guess you know gets the. It gets kind of like a captain almost, you know, who's kind of in there. They're not actually rowing. Um, so this is without that. So um, you you have like a rudder that you can steer if you're the person in the back. You know, you're constantly kind of checking. But yeah, that's crazy. Who would have guessed? <laughs> you know, I feel like when I think of dominant water, especially with rowing, it, it, I don't think of Denmark and, and maybe I should, or, you know, I guess being successful, maybe not dominant. I feel like, you yeah. know, the USA and like Australia do well in rowing, but it's crazy. I, I would not have picked those two sports for them, but I guess, you know, the moral of the story is we know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> or we Before this, we knew nothing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you think how many islands and it's just a peninsula. They got a lot of water to use. Yeah, that's right. Maybe, maybe we should be thinking of them with like a Nordic, you know, Hawaii, you know, <laughs> or like, <laughs> I guess like, you know, all the uh, um, islands in the Pacific. Right, right. Moving on though, Paralympics, because uh, Denmark also won a ton of medals there. And uh, one person to shout out is Connie Hansen. Nine golds across various distances in wheelchair racing. Now, there's a lot of uh, disciplines and categories in the Paralympics, so the medal counts are always going to be a bit more inflated compared to the Olympics. But if you're unfamiliar with wheelchair racing, it's not a standard wheelchair. This thing is two big wheels that you sit like with the two big wheels. And then there's a third wheel that's smaller out in front so kind of looks like those concept cars i don't know how else to describe it yeah it's it looks like it's made <laughs> for racing you know like it, it looks like it's been very heavily engineered to be the best vehicle of choice for something that is essentially wheelchair racing you know it's like taken the general wheelchair and just made it very sleek and it, it does look crazy it, but it also you know i feel like that's where your mind would go if you were designing a racing wheelchair yeah, uh, the picture I've got for you just to look at for reference. BMW designed it. Yeah, so we got the, we got the big dogs involved, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but speaking of racing, last person that we want to mention in this one is Wilson Kepkeeter. So he was born in Kenya, moved to Denmark, and ended up representing them. And he never won an Olympic gold, but he may have had something better. Well, he definitely had something better. He won multiple world championships and... He set the world record in the 800 meter run in 1997. One minute and 41 seconds. Still to this day, second fastest to ever run that event, the 800 meter. That's half a mile. Yeah, that's gross. That's <laughs> so fast. I, I feel like if you, you know, I don't know, world championships, I, I don't know how track runners weight that. I mean, it's still you're the best in the world, you know, multiple times, but, you know, I'm sure he'd trade away a couple for for a for an olympic medal or a gold medal yeah he got silver in the olympics but yeah that, that's a stupid fast time olympic athletes yeah all yeah. the time amaze me like it, it, it this stuff is not normal <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I watched the video of him setting the world record and just the entire crowd kind of knew the pace he was on. Because at that point, I think he broke it by maybe half a second, which doesn't sound like a lot, but he kind of smashed it at the same time. You just think of how optimized a lot of records get. Yeah, I imagine like any tiny, and I won't say mistake, but just little slip ups cost you more than half a second in that race, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, 800 meters, that is a grueling mid-distance test speed and stamina but that's going to do it for sports in denmark there is certainly a lot to cover a lot more that we could have brought up too but you know going in we knew about handball cycling david there was a lot of surprises in there badminton being the big one for me but uh you know, that's why we do this lots of fun stuff yeah i feel like what i've learned is i know nothing about denmark <laughs> <laughs> i feel like everything that i thought was slightly wrong but yeah it seems like a place where all kinds of sports have thrived which is good you know you hate to see these places where it's like eh, all the information we have is just soccer you know it's yes um yes. a nice breath of fresh air and i guess that's what it's going to be for these bigger country profiles but maybe we'll get that way with some of the other countries and we'll be surprised you know the smaller ones but denmark was definitely fun and eye-opening yeah yeah that's the fun thing. There's always something that catches your eye, something surprising. And yeah, Denmark, a lot of stuff to pull from. And again, this isn't even the biggest of the big in Europe. Get to like France and England and Germany. Those are going to be monstrous episodes. Yeah, we might have to break those into parts. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see when we get there. This one's going to be one of our longer episodes. We'll see when we edit it down. But uh, David, hand it off to you. You want to hint next week's episode. Yeah, I, I I feel like I'm bad at this. I feel like I give it away, but I'll say it's a it's a huge event coming coming soon. I feel like everyone knows about it, and I'll say it's a uh, over uh over two thousand miles long. I mean, I feel, I feel like that'll tell you what it is, but I just recently found out how long it is, and that it, it blew my mind. Yeah, I mean, I could give another hint is that we mentioned it in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah, and now they know. Now they know I'm, now. But <laughs> I'm sorry. It's you're in my shoes this time. Well, uh, the week after that, another country profile. We're going to the Caribbean. Uh, I don't know what else to give beyond that, but I'll say, David, I would hate for you to give away what country it is. And then you boo me off stage. Oh, I, I was just going to pretend like I didn't get it. But yeah, boo, boo. <laughs> Liar, boo. boo. <laughs> uh, yeah, back to the Caribbean. I feel like the Caribbean's very fun. So um, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. So we'll leave you with that. David, take us out. Well, I guess we'll, you know, leave it like we always do. Thanks for listening. Um, it means a lot to us that you guys tune in. If you like the podcast, the best thing you can do is share it with someone you think would like it too. We're on all major podcasting platforms of choice. Give us a like if you can't share. Give us you know, a follow, a subscribe. Uh, we really appreciate it. We have contact information in the show notes. So reach out to us. Tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, what we got wrong. If you're you know, from Denmark, tell us you know, if we missed something big. Um, we'd love to hear from you. If you're from another country, tell us you want us to visit your country as soon as possible. We'd love to do that. And thanks again one more time for listening. It, it really means a lot. Uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.